0: Welcome to the Vulva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulva vaginal health.
1: We're going to talk to Dr. Kristen Stewart, who's a dermatologist in Jacksonville, Florida, about vulvovaginal itch. Hi, Dr. Stewart. Hello. So, how often do you see patients with itching as their main complaint?
0: As a dermatologist, I see itch every day. And as a vulvar specialist, I see vulvar itching every day too. I think it is much more common than we talk about, especially in the vulvar area, but it is quite common.
1: Is it uncommon for dermatologists to look at the vulva?
0: It probably is for a lot of dermatologists. While most dermatologists are skin experts and the skin of the vulva is a part of that, sometimes because it's not a sun-exposed area, it's not examined during routine skin cancer screenings. I also think a lot of times maybe it's not examined by a dermatologist because patients aren't thinking about using their dermatologist as someone to help them with a vulvar problem. They're thinking more about seeing a gynecologist or a family practitioner for that type of issue so they don't talk about it or bring it up.
1: Yeah, where I live, sometimes the dermatologists are scared that they don't have a chaperone and they worry. But it is still part of that everyday skin exam and
0: dermatologists can really add a lot to the skin part because the vulva is that unique intersection of, you know, the GI tract, the G U tract, the skin, and so many multiple factors come into play in the vulva that the skin factors can be really important.
1: A hundred percent. Pretty much most skin conditions can affect the vulva, right? <laughs> it's skin. Yes. So what kind of um, are the common things you're thinking about when a patient presents with itch?
0: So first and foremost, I think about the same things that gynecologists and primary care doctors think about, and that is yeast. Because yeast is still the number one cause of itch for the vulva. However, when you think about itch too, I was just to backtrack a minute, it's it's a symptom. It's not the diagnosis. So vulvar itch is the symptom, and the most common cause can be yeast, but there are so many other things that can cause it as well. And I guess many times by the time a patient gets to me as a dermatologist, they've been treated multiple times for yeast, and they're not getting better over and over again. And so some of those things include eczema-like reactions that would fall under the categories of allergic or irritant dermatitis. Um, We sometimes refer to those as lichen simplex chronicus, other things like... Tinea infections or fungal infections of the skin certainly can cause itch, like in planus, psoriasis, seborrheic dermatitis, and certainly lichen sclerosis, when you're talking specifically about the vulvar area, is a very common cause of itch. So there's a combination of both things that are infections as well as things that are dermatoses that can cause
1: itch. And before you look at the patient, what kind of questions are you asking them?
0: A lot. I find I get a lot of the answers from their history, and sometimes even more so than an exam. But that's going to help me focus into the exam. So really, what I want them to do is define their symptom. And I try. There's a lot of times there. Where there's an overlap, but I really try to put patients into categories: is it vulvar itch or is it vulvar? burning soreness, rawness, because that's going to be a whole different differential. But vulvar itch is going to be, it itches and I have the urge to scratch. And they may say, I never scratch and I don't do it. Or when I scratch, it hurts, but I have this urge to scratch. And then you're going to go down that category of vulvar paritis. And what I'm going to start to ask them is, What triggers it? Is it when you're hot? Is it when you're sweaty? Is it after intercourse? Is it when you wear certain clothes? Is it only at night? Is it after bowel movements? Looking for very specific things as to triggers and different than most other things, well, I guess not so much eczema. When dermatologists talk about eczema, we ask, what do you wash with? What are you moisturizing with? You need to do that with the vulva too, but even more specifically of what are you washing the vulva with? Are you using moisturizer? Are there lubricants? What type of toilet paper? What type of pads? What type of uh, tampons are you using? So all the things that come in contact as potential irritants, uh, you need to know also. The other questions I ask, a lot of times I save this one for when the patient is up in stirrups and exam and I have, and looking and we look together, it's like, I wanna know the exact location and I want them to point to it and show me we look in the mirror together. And defining that location will also focus your exam to the area of the irritation because what you see clinically can be so subtle. And then focusing you in on that specific area of irritation is really important because a lot of times they'll say the groin or they'll say the vagina, but it's not exactly what they mean because they don't know the terminology. And then all the other things, historical information and age and allergies and medications, relevant surgeries and review systems, that goes into it all too. But you really need to get into the weeds of the things that are coming into contact with the vulva.
1: What are the common vulva irritants you hear about on history? very
0: often people will say that I'll kind of put that into two categories, things that irritate them or things that trigger their symptoms. And so they're the same, but I actually think of them differently too. So some people will say my itch is triggered by sweat and tight jeans. And when I ride a bike or I have intercourse, then I have itch afterwards. Other people will say this soap causes me to itch or when I wipe too much or I sit in a certain way, or if I get hot, Other times people will say, I just itch all the time and I don't know what starts it or stops it.
1: Do you find a lot of people have tried things they've read about on the internet and like they self-treat their symptoms, which make them worse sometimes?
0: Um, Absolutely. I think, and I'm nearly certain that every woman has itch of the vulva at some point and tries to remedy it herself at home. And certainly at least once, if not more than once, and sometimes that can really kind of complicate what you're seeing or cause secondary problems of irritation or contact dermatitis from what they're trying at home. And also, a lot of times people have seen multiple providers been treated, you know, lots of times, like I mentioned earlier about being treated multiple times for yeast, and maybe it gets a little better for a couple days, but it doesn't really get better. So there's a lot of additional triggers that can complicate that history and complicate the physical exam.
1: And then when you go to look at the patient, what are you looking for? I do a full body skin check and
0: I look all over first. I actually look at the vulva last. So I look at the trunk and extremities. I'm looking for signs of eczema. I'm looking for signs of psoriasis. I'm looking for dryness. I'm looking for clues uh, anywhere I can find them. And then when I'm looking at the vulva, I'm looking for... One, I kind of do a broad look for, is there scarring or loss of architecture? Because that is going to help me decide, are we thinking more about lichen sclerosis or lichen planus? Is this something more significant? If there's less or no scarring or loss of architecture, then I'm thinking a little bit more down a different differential tree. So I want to first, I look at the mons, the inguinal creases, I look at the labia majora, and the buttocks just while they're up in stirrups uh, without really kind of touching, get an overall glance, then opening up the labia majora to look specifically at the skin overlying the clitoral hood, the intralabial sulcus, the labia minora. I'm looking for redness. I'm looking for thickness to the skin. I'm looking for erosions or fissures. I'm looking for hypopigmentation, hyperpigmentation, any presence of scarring and it can be really subtle and i think it's again that i made this point before but have the patient point to her area of itch and that will help you focus more also
1: and assuming that they don't have any scarring and they don't look like they have an inflammatory skin condition so you're thinking more of a irritant or a lichen simplex chronicus eczema picture what would be the common advice in those patients since they're probably the most common thing we see After Ease.
0: What I am looking to do is break the itch scratch cycle and repair the skin barrier. So, to repair the skin barrier, we're going to look out for anything and go through that history of what can be irritating the skin so we can avoid it. And we're going to watch for triggers and do anything we can to avoid the triggers and use minimal to mild cleanser or to wash with water only, is what I prefer to use bland emollients or moisturizers like petrolatum jelly, coconut oil, and a very thin uh, layer to help the skin barrier repair. Then a lot of times we're treating with anti-inflammatories, usually topical steroids in an ointment form to try to get the inflammation down. If patients are waking up at night itching or scratching or they're scratching in their sleep and they don't mean to, a lot of times I'll use some type of medication like a sedating antihistamine to help them sleep through the itch and try to break that itch-scratch cycle. I'll also use a topical anesthetic like a topical lidocaine, again, to try to break the itch-scratch cycle, not because it's fixing the underlying problem, but because it's fixing that repetitive irritation to the skin that's propagating the response.
1: What do you tell the patients about getting better or recurrences in the future? Vulvar itch, you can really get better. You can
0: get it better and you can find that cause and you can a lot of times get it to a point where it's resolved and then you can maintain the skin to prevent recurrence. And it all depends on the cause of the itch some conditions need to be controlled and maintained long-term, such as itch that might be associated with lichen sclerosis, where you're going to improve and control that itch. And then that maintenance for treatment, you're going to do ongoing maintenance. So I think of it as we're going to first do a treatment layer until the symptoms get better. The skin normalizes as much as possible, and then I kind of go into a maintenance phase depending on the condition to try to maintain that skin barrier so that symptoms don't recur.
1: If you see people who've tried steroids and vulva care, but they're not better and they're frustrated when they see you, what do you think that general practitioners and the gynecologists and maybe general dermatologists who don't do vulva are missing?
0: There are a couple of things, and it gets into those nuances of that individual care. One thing I think about is Am I missing yeast? Do they certainly have a dermatosis, like, like in simplex chronicus or, or like in sclerosis, but they also have yeast on top of it? Is that why they're not getting better? Is there some secondary factor? The other things I think about is the skin barrier in such disrepair that. They can't tolerate anything topical and even the topical steroid is causing them pain. And if so, a lot of times then I will treat with intramuscular Kenalog or oral steroids to try to help that skin barrier repair before we move to a topical treatment. I'll often empirically treat for yeast at that time and sometimes for bacteria also if there are a lot of fissures on the skin. The other thing I think about when someone is complicated and they've had the usual treatments, but they're not getting better is is this complicated by low estrogen and postmenopausal symptoms? And we need to address that at the same time as well.
1: I always wonder sometimes it's not super complicated, but sometimes they just haven't been told to stop scratching and stop the itch. Like as long as they scratch, they often don't get better. Right. And I actually find that's like a small, easy thing. And they're so happy if they get better. These patients is very rewarding.
0: Oh, it's very rewarding because the impact of vulvar itch on quality of life, on relationships, on day to day activity is, it just can't be underestimated. It's huge. And to have relief from that is just wonderful. And it's very rewarding as a physician to see patients feel so much better. And I think think along those lines, I also always tell patients, I'm going to work with you until you get better. you know, And that they sometimes feel that they, um, they're like, oh, it's not yeast and it's not getting better, but they need to know that somebody is going to stick with them until it gets better and that you're going to find something and that they won't be abandoned either. I think that is definitely a fear, especially when the itch is chronic.
1: I agree with you. I find these patients are so happy when you get them better and that it's not always very complicated to get them better.
0: Yeah. I will often talk about, you know, and try to teach patients when you scratch the skin, it thickens when the skin is thick, it itches. So we have to break that cycle and kind of talk about it that way. The medicine is going to help some but we have to do these other measures not to uh, itch also. And it's hard because a lot of times you have that urge to scratch and sometimes you're scratching before you even have the awareness that you're scratching. And even a little bit of scratching can propagate that itch scratch cycle.
1: That's great. Do you have any last take-home points for people to remember? I think the
0: biggest thing to know is that vulvar itching is a symptom and that you have to look for the cause and not to assume that it's the most common thing. The second point would be that it's not always one thing and sometimes it is a primary problem with a secondary yeast or low estrogen problem and to address both. And the third thing would be is don't be afraid to use potent topical steroids in the ointment form is preferred because they're less irritating than the cream for a short term in the vulva. And even sometimes a little longer term, if you're getting there, but not quite there to do a little bit more of a stronger potent topical steroid until you get people better. And then to teach them to maintain that skin barrier and to kind of taper down and off of the topical steroids. I think a lot of times docs are like, oh, you can only use the topical steroid for two weeks. But when someone has thick lequinification of any part of the body, any, any skin, it's going to take longer than two weeks to get there. And so to kind of treat to the symptoms, think about the side effects. And it's important to know about the side effects, but to treat the patient that's in front of you. And if their skin is still thick and itchy, you can certainly use those topical steroids longer.
1: Great. Thank you so much for your time.
0: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Again, that's Dr. Kristen Stewart, a dermatologist from Jacksonville, Florida.